When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Curlbro, and I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon, and you should too. And if you don't, I hope you leave enough room for my fists, because I'm going to ram it in your stomach and break your spine. Just go to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon to sign up today. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown up? Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel, website, and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me always, of course, is Mo. Hey, everybody. You know that George is here. Hey, how's it going, guys? The backtrack is, as you know, where we pick a single nostalgic topic and dig in deep. And you know that Leo Anthony Gallagher Jr. was one of the most popular and recognizable comics of the 1980s. He was known for his keen observational humor, but even more so for his special brand of prop comedy that featured an oversized sledgehammer that sent bits of watermelon flying into audiences around the world. In this episode, we're remembering the life and career of legendary Gen X era comedian Gallagher. And don't you want to see how it works? <laughs> you know, you talk about his prop comedy there. He he did kind of Carrot Top before Carrot Top did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's known for Sledgehammer, mm-hmm. but... I watched a couple of his old specials back. He does a lot of props in those things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not just that hammer, is it? No, yeah. a lot. He definitely digs in. Yep. We are going to cover so much of the history of Gallagher. In fact, we just lost him uh, a few short weeks ago, and so we wanted to definitely feature him. Before we jump in to uh, talking about Gallagher, though, it's time for some fourth listener email. Of course, there's three of us. We're always going to listen to the show if anybody else takes time to write in. That's our fourth listener. And the fourth listener this episode is Frankie Big Brain. <laughs> like the name. Subject line of Frankie's email was the movie theater experience. So it sounds like he uh, listened to our backtrack from. Oh, yeah. That was wow, that's one. been a few like years that back. I remember yeah, that was one we recorded one. in person in a room prepping for Infinity Con, if I wow. recall. Did we? Did we? I think so. I think so. I'll just hmm. take your word on it. I don't remember. Maybe. <laughs> I could also be totally wrong. It was around that era. At any rate, Frankie Big Brain listened to that episode, and here's what he had to say. Uh, my hometown has had a few theaters over the last few decades. I remember two theaters when we were first moving in. The first-run theater, which shut down, so the Dollar Theater became the first-run theater. <laughs> that was the only game in town until the new place opened a few years ago. That old theater just ran its final day a couple of weeks ago, and they were already building storage units in the parking lot. Uh, oh, uh. Oh, yeah, it's sad. I didn't think the new theater cut into their business. It was never really all that busy the few times I went. I don't really like the seating in the new theater. It had the fancy reclining seats and assigned seating, but it doesn't have stadium seating. So you got to really lean the seat back if you're in the first few rows. Oh, wow. Hmm. So so that doesn't make hmm. any sense. Like, why would you yeah. have all the big seats and then not have the stadium so you can't see over the seats in front of you? Maybe it's a slope. Instead of the stadium steps, maybe. I've seen that done maybe. in some theaters. Yeah, yeah, could be. Well, it's converted, so maybe they didn't have the budget to put enough of a slope in the in the floor. But right, ah, who knows? 
They're also not part of a chain, and so the food options weren't much better. Mm. They have the worst <laughs> self-service kiosks, so I never got the appeal of this place over the old. And occasionally they carry not Marvel movies, so you have to drive an hour to the big city mm. to watch. So that's one thing that they do right. I had to drive out of my way for things like Green Knight and Lighthouse, but at least they had the new Guy Ritchie movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> you know, it's, it, when you convert like that, it, it's like you want a chain for some of the benefits of a chain, but then when you have that chain, you're almost lamenting like, oh, I wish it was an independent theater, but it's kind of a give and take. Yeah. that movie theater experience. He wraps it up by saying, Seacrest out, Frankie Big Brain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right, Ryan. For the sign-off that. that has nothing to do with Gen X Chrono whatsoever. That's, that's, all right. <laughs> that's all right. Whatever floats Frankie's boat. Frankie, we appreciate <laughs> that you wrote into the show. We love it every time the fourth listener listens to one of our shows and drops us a line. If you'd like your email featured here on the show, it's easy. Just hit us up at podcast at genxcoronup.com. Read every single one, and most of them, like Frankie's, eventually make the show. All right. With that good business behind us, it's time to jump into this backtrack focused on Gallagher right after this. Stick around. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show too. It helps more than you know. And I believe just about one out of four is critically stupid in these United States. <laughs> Don't you think just about 25%? Just about one of four people that you bump into, you bump into them because they ain't looking where the hell they're going. Well, if 25% of the population is stupid, why are we upset over a 10% unemployment? I'm upset about the 15% of the stupid people that have jobs. You hear what I'm saying? Open your mind, change this world if it ain't right. Give the houses out by the airport to deaf people. And save us all millions of dollars. Let the Jehovah Witnesses deliver the mail. Yeah. In an episode where we're talking about Gallagher, you're probably going to expect we're going to jump right into talking about the Sledgematic. But there's so much before <laughs> we get to the Sledgematic. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, we have a whole segment dedicated to Sledgematic in a little bit. But first, I want to talk kind of about the origin of Gallagher as a comic. He was born July 4th, 1946, as Leo Anthony Gallagher Jr. Mm -hmm. And he was born right in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. You guys know the other really famous person that was born in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, right? In Fort Bragg. Mr. Bragg? Me! Oh. You were you born in Fort Bragg, North Carolina? Carolina? Yep. I was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina, so on the military Gallagher's base. your favorite comedian ever? No, he's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Second favorite? No. I never liked Gallagher. I'll admit that up front. Oh, zero's I, I favorite. Ne I never cared for his comedy. <laughs> but I but I cannot deny that he had a huge impact. And he was super popular yep. in the 80s. I cannot yeah, he, at all deny he that. He had but, a huge impact on those apples and watermelons <laughs> and cheeseburgers. <laughs> Whatever you put between two tin pans. <laughs> the smash. That was his impact. All right. So throughout this backtrack, we're going to remember... Mo doesn't give a damn, but at least he's <laughs> going to talk about his history. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, 
I came clean with Tron last time. I that's said it wasn't true, my favorite movie. And you guys dogpiled on me, but I'm going to be nice to <laughs> It wasn't just See? us. If you go back and look in the Discord channel, genxgrownup.com slash Discord, oh. there's plenty of people who disagree with you. Oh, yeah. Everybody's dogpiling with you. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. George, that was a great plug. And... Right on point. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we had said, born there in Fort Bragg. And after college, he began working with Jim Stafford as a road manager. Now, Jim yeah. Stafford, I, 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 I knew he was a comic of some kind. George looked it up and remembered he was like a like a musical comedian. Kind of yes. a, not a parodist, mm. but a funny song guy. No, yeah. A little bit more like um, like your Rick D's type of stuff. So he had Spiders oh. and Snakes was mm, his that's the one I know so most well. popular song yep. probably out of the 70s that we might remember. And they did quite a few things. They actually went to California together on a tour in 1969. And that's when Gallagher decided, you know what? I'm tired of Jim Stafford getting the limelight. I'm going to do it my own thing as well. So he started doing like his own comedy stuff because he was kind of in that world with Jim mm-hmm, Stafford. Mm-hmm. And he yep. started going to places like the comedy store and the ice house and just started working on his routine from there. And that's how he got picked up by the tonight show and Johnny Carson. Now, Johnny oh, Carson oh, is yeah. famous for hating prop comedians. Johnny Carson never likes those type of comedians. However, he did bring Gallagher on the show a couple of different times. Mm. One of them was uh, in 1975. The prop that he brought on to do his little routine was the Tonight Show home game. And he did this whole (laughs) (laughs) It was almost like he was trolling Johnny Carson on his own show a little bit. (laughs) But that's kind of the way Gallagher was. He was... He was like subversive controversial. Like mm-hmm. he would Irreverent. say things that were controversial that if you said them now, he'd probably have been canceled 10 minutes ago. He uh, he just, some of the stuff mm-hmm. he would say was a little bit over the line, but he would say it in a way that at the time would make people laugh and giggle and then more people would laugh and it would just mm-hmm. build from there. There's this one really funny segment that he does on The Tonight Show where Joan Rivers is a host in place of Johnny Carson. And he does this little segment and it didn't dawn on me until I was watching it. It's called You're an American. Mm -hmm. And he's doing all these little one liners. You're an American. If under your sink, you have a towel that's stiff as a board hanging over your pipe. (laughs) You're an American. If when you get home from the grocery store, you take the paper bags and slide them between the refrigerator and the wall. And it dawned on me as I was listening to this, this is where you might be a redneck came from. Oh, Mm. oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. It really feels exactly like that, but 20 years earlier. style of, you know, Johnny Carson made or broke careers by who he brought on the show and especially who he brought back. If he didn't like you, he was not shy about it. He was just like, thanks, bye. But if he had you back, that was a little bit of cachet. Then it was the getting invited over to the couch, which- Right, that was a big one, right? That was like the huge That was the big one. But just being on the show, he knew he was making careers Mm -hmm. when he brought people on. And to have you on more than once, that said something. I cannot at all deny the impact he had like in the 80s. But, you know, he had the first comedy special. It was called An Uncensored Evening, which Mm -hmm. fits. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't realize this, but it was the first comedy stand-up special ever to air on cable television. Yeah. So before Eddie Murphy did his big raw, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Gallagher was doing the stand-up one-hour type of specials on cable TV long before those yeah, guys. Who were. knew, right? And also, I'd say, like you know, they say, like I'm the hardest-working man in the show business. This dude 
he was a hardworking guy, I have to admit, because he did like 200 shows a year for like 30, 30, 35 years. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I mean, he did over 3,500 live shows over the course yep. of his career. That's, I mean, I can't think of anybody who's remotely I can't imagine. that. Well, no, he had a certain philosophy. One thing that he said in multiple interviews was that he didn't want to go the route of like comedians like a Tim Allen who did their comedy thing for a little while and then turned a skit into a comedy TV show. Mm-hmm. And that's how they mm-hmm. made their money. He just really loved performing in front of live audiences. And that's all he wanted to do. He did a lot of it. <laughs> it's staggering to think of, like, imagine doing anything 200 times a year. And it's not just like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I, you know, I went, I t- went over a walk 200 times a year, right? This is a night where he had to get somewhere, show up, set mm-hmm. up, bring his props, prepare, write, and then perform. Yeah. And if you've seen him live, or even if you've just seen him on tape, he's not a passive performer. No. He's a no. physical performer. Very he gets so. into what he's doing. He's riding giant tricycles around the stage. He's jumping. He's got pogo sticks. I mean, he's... This is work. And to do that for 35 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to belittle any other comedians, but 90% of the comedians out there, the only thing they bring with them is themselves. They just walk up on stage, grab the mic, start telling their jokes, (laughs) and everybody has a good time. Like you said, John, this guy brings a whole, like sound stage with him of props mm-hmm. just those yep. big black boxes that you see musician roadie <laughs> people pushing around he brings those with him doing that 200 times a year 3500 times yeah. over your life uh, i'm sorry i'm too lazy to be doing that shit yeah that's, that's a long time not to be home <laughs> mm-hmm. it is yeah well he did so many performances throughout his career that in that we get back from this break, this next segment, we're going to focus on just how many, just a sampling of the things he did throughout his career. We're going to touch on that when we get back. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. First there was cave art. Then medieval art. Renaissance art. Surrealist art. Elvis art, kids with big eyes art, and now there is Galagard. Showtime is proud to announce the Galagard contest. Yes, you may win one of these five original Galagard creations, or one of 25 limited edition prints by sending a postcard only with your name and address to. Gallagher, Post Office Box 24003, Los Angeles, California, 90024. Send in lots of postcards. I figured out the odds on my Apple computer. You can win. We had just said at the end of the last segment just how hardworking Gallagher was. 3,500 shows throughout the life of his career is is staggering. Crazy. And a lot of that, where I was first exposed to him was on HBO when they were running yeah. these HBO specials. And it felt like there was a new one every month. You remember you get your HBO guide in the <laughs> right. mail? Yeah. That little glossy book, like a little comic book. Oh, yeah, I remember and that. And it would yeah. say, oh, Star Wars and Jaws mm-hmm. and whatever. And then in the blurb in the corner, new Gallagher special. Right. Because yeah. they were always coming out. And I guess now I know why. Was <laughs> 
first one, we already mentioned that first one is 1980. That was an uncensored evening, um, appropriately named enough. And I probably saw that one because what was 1980? I think my grandmother was the only one that lived in town. She's the only one that had cable. And it was, that was the thing about HBO back then was like, oh, they're saying dirty words and this is fun, you know? (laughs) But it was funny too. And he was that kind of, that acerbic wit. He was kind of winking at you. But he was also kind of making fun of you because he's criticizing you and culture, the people in it. Sure. But he's kind of going, but you're my audience. We're talking about those people out there. But I wasn't in the audience. I know he's talking about me and how dumb people are and and how we act. Even just that first one, I remember, like, I couldn't tell you what the jokes were in it, but I remember feeling so attached to him. I I would take these specials and put a cassette tape next to the TV and record it so I could listen to it on tape later in my headphones. It was just that much fun. (laughs) Yeah. See, I missed the first one. Okay. In school. That's all everyone was talking about it. And mm, back then, yeah. HBO, like, if you didn't catch it the first couple of times, you, it then, like, if it was on like random times after that, right? It was like right. three o'clock right. in the morning, like 3 a.m. on a Tuesday yeah. or you something no stupid idea. after that. Mm-hmm. So I definitely made sure to catch the next one because I was wondering what the hell everyone's mm-hmm. talking about, Sledgematics and all this stuff. Um, and that was Mad as Hell. That came out in 81. Okay. And that one, I mean, I said he was not my favorite comic. I mean, I saw it, I was like, <laughs> I kind of felt the same way when I walked out of E.T. I'm like, it was good, but why is everyone so going nuts for this movie about, you know? You watched it because of peer pressure. All your friends totally. were watching that's, and talking yeah, about it. Pretty much, I mean, everybody yeah. was, though. I mean, you couldn't turn a corner and not see something Gallagher-related. Sure. Mm. And so they went on. We listed so many here. George, you pulled a list of oh, some geez. of those. I, didn't know I just think many. it's important to look at the volume of stuff. So Mad as Hell, Mo, that you watched was yeah. in 81. He also did Too Real in 81. T-W-O year, Real. Right? Yeah. Yep. In 82. He did totally new. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, same year. That's stupid. In '83, one I remember stuck in the '60s. That yeah. was a special when he's talking about the flower children and the mm-hmm. the culture of the '60s brought forward into the '80s and that kind of a thing. That was one that I also I, I remember specifically recording down to a cassette so I could listen to <laughs> surreptitiously. <laughs> the one that I first recorded that I love the most also came out in 1983 called Gallagher the Maddest. So okay. This one was one that I had to go back and find because as we were prepping for this episode, I'm like, well, I need to go back and at least watch one of the specials Mm -hmm. so I can remind myself of his sense of humor style and the types Mm -hmm. of jokes he would tell. And since that one was the one that I remember recording on VHS tape and keeping, I'm like, let me go find that one. (laughs) I went and found it on YouTube and they had a buy or rent button next to it. I'm like, God damn it. I don't want to pay money to go watch this. Yeah. What? 40 year old comedy special (laughs) that I kind of remember most of it anyway. But then I got an idea. I'm like, I wonder if my Google play dollars that I get all the time for doing Google rewards. Oh, the survey thing work it does really Really? holy cow you can buy and rent movies through youtube with those google dollars so i'm like holy crap all these old movies that it's hard for me to find in the public domain i just Mm -hmm. buy them for free because youtube pays me to do these surveys anyway i didn't know that Good to know. Yeah, cute little hack there for the public domain people out <laughs> like there. Yeah. But the Maddest John is the one where probably the largest part that everybody will remember from it, and you can find it in a lot of YouTube clips out there. It's the one where he has the giant trampoline couch. Oh, big yes, gray couch oh, on stage. Right. Yep. And he's pulling stuff out of it, right? He yeah, he's okay, pulling okay. like he's talking about this is a couch just like we have at home. You know, there's baby toys in here, and here's a blow dryer, <laughs> and here's this thing, and he pulls out this condom looking giant thing. And drops it on the floor without saying anything. So, of course, it's a wink wink to the crowd. Right. He found it in the couch. Gotcha. But it's a giant couch that's shaped around a trampoline. And so, he, mm-hmm. John, you talked about earlier his physical comedy. He starts yep. the special off in roller skates. 
skates for 15 minutes. That's right. Mm -hmm. He's just going around in roller skates. He then does one of his props is a student desk, like the old time student desk that he's converted into a little Mm go-kart. He's like, it's American to change things up. They're killing our creativity in school. (laughs) That's what most of his jokes were, though. They were observational humor supported by prop comedy sometimes. But I found something in watching this special, John, that disturbed me a little bit. Uh Oh, He was an incredibly sexist comedian. Yeah. Was he? I didn't Hmm. remember that because at the time this came out, I'm 12 years old. This came out in 83. I don't Mm -hmm. know sexism from anything else at that age. Right. But going back and watching it now when I'm 50, I'm like, oh, my God, this man hated women. He really hated. Really? Probably 25% of his jokes were about women being stupid or incompetent or sexually repressed. Just all these terrible things that if he were to say these things today, done. He's canceled. There's no Mm -hmm. way he survives that special. Like HBO would have pulled it first night and never played it again. Right. But in the context of the time, just the whole audience was just laughing and going along with the whole thing. Even the women, they, they show close-ups multiple times when he Mm -hmm. would make a comment or a joke that was very sexist about women. They would focus in on a woman in the crowd that would start laughing, like to say, Hey, see, it's okay. Like to give me permission to laugh almost. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not something that I'd ever really, and I'm not sure that I realize it now. If I look back and think about the jokes that I enjoyed the most, I guess most of the stuff that I enjoyed the observational stuff where that would manifest the most, I paid less attention to, and I was paying more attention maybe to the prop stuff. Yeah. And the interesting thing is like maybe definitely early co- comedians in the, you know, the, in the 50s and 60s and whatever, being edgy and being rude and vulgar and, and on the bleeding edge, that was something that was often rewarded and was, I guess, so for Gallagher in this case. But maybe if that's the drum you keep beating constantly, like you saw yeah. here, I'm sure if I looked at it now in hindsight, I would view it differently like you did, but I, it didn't register with me as a young person. Yeah, it it was it was a little bit sad. I started off watching the special laughing. Mm -hmm, Right. You know, he was doing the whole skating thing and the whole the theme of the evening was going to talk about style. That was his whole thing. He would would do this little and it was about things that were stylish or not stylish. He did have some really funny segments in it. But I found that as I watched more and more of the hour long special, Mm -hmm. I started laughing less and less and I started getting a little uncomfortable. Mm hmm. There were some parts that would pull it back in still to this day. The one that I remember from that special that I don't know why it's stuck in my memory, but he talks about how to tell the difference between a cowboy and a lady at a party, because he goes for two minutes (laughs) describing how a cowboy and a lady in a party are hard to tell apart because they wear the same kind of silly hats. They both wear high heels and they, (laughs) and he's, so he's walking around on his tiptoes and he says, you know, it's very easy to tell the difference between a cowboy and a lady party. And it involves the, elbows and their distance from their waist. Cowboy is at a maximum. Lady at a party, exactly the opposite. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but I'm doing the mind. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> and he's just walking around and it's cute. It's funny. But then he follows it up with jokes like women can get away with murder, especially if they're talking to a female judge because they might be on their period. Yeah. Mm. Like, Making it hard for me to be nostalgic about this kind of stuff, man. And I loved Gallagher growing up. He was a person that you're going to find out later. Now I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I emulated him in a capacity. And Mo's just sitting there going, see, told you I didn't like him. (laughs) I mean, 
there's a lot of comedies I didn't like. Yeah, you know, other people did and stuff like that. And honestly, like when I was a kid, that stuff didn't register me either. I didn't think like, no. oh my god, he's yeah. so sexy. That's why I don't like him. I didn't like his comedy because I thought it was just very, just sort of one note. I guess mm-hmm. a lot of it for yeah. me, and it wasn't very deep. You're yeah, right. exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, where some comedians like they would say like they would bring up like oh you know let's talk about you know women blah 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 but then they would relate back to themselves mm-hmm. yeah like oh but then you know one time you know my sister did that you know what i mean and and kind of go a little deeper whereas his seemed like it was just like the statement and then he moved on it was very surface there were nods and winks kind of jokes here mm-hmm. and there but in watching that special every time he did one of those it made me more uncomfortable because of the subject matter mm. Mm. it's weird how looking at something like this in hindsight with today's sensibilities like you you want to judge it by today's standards and you can't help but do that because I'm a person living in the here and now, right. but you look back and you're like, okay, how much of that is an act? How much of that is what was in his heart? Was that something, was that a note he found he could play that would get laughs and that's why he used it? Or did he use it because that's how he felt and therefore he used it in his comedy? And there's really no way to know maybe at this point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it maybe if you did some interviews with people that were in his personal life, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you could find that out. And I know we're going to talk a little bit later about some stuff with uh, one of the people in his life, his oh, yeah. brother. Yeah. But he was obviously super popular. I'm going to run through some more of the list, John, sure. if you don't mind, because yeah. there were a crap yeah. ton of them. So he did <laughs> the next year he did Melon Crazy and Over Your Head in 1984. I remember Over Your Head. 1985, he did The Bookkeeper. 1986, mm-hmm. he did a thing called The Messiest, which was really a bunch of clips from his previous comedy specials oh, okay, more than okay. anything. Uh, 1987, he did Overboard. Now, that's not the Goldie Hawn movie. That's the Gallagher <laughs> special. 92, he was still doing specials. I didn't realize this. Oh, yeah. But yeah. he did We Need a Hero. 1997, Smashing Cheese Heads. I'm assuming he did that one in Wisconsin somewhere. Yeah, it makes guess. sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> 1998, Messing Up Texas. He did have a lot of Texas and cowboy humor, as we talked mm-hmm. about earlier. Yep. But then in 2000, he does an episode titled Sledgeomatic.com. So I guess he transitioned from infomercials <laughs> to a website with a Sledgeomatic. Okay. I haven't seen that one, but that's the only well, thing I can figure. 2000. I'm sure I've not seen a Gallagher show from 2000. Like, yeah, I, I definitely haven't. I don't remember seeing him past like 95, honestly. I don't remember. And that's not the only one. He did Tropic of Gallagher in 2007. Wow, 2007. Whoa. And in 2014, he did a Gotham Comic Live special where he recorded at the Gotham Club in Chelsea in New York City, Mo in your neck of the woods. Wow. Huh. I had no idea. There you go. Yeah. He was born where you were born, Mo. And then one of his one of his later performances. This is where I grew up. <laughs> right, where you grew up. He's tracking you. He's following yeah, yeah. you around. He heard you don't like him. And he's <laughs> like, where the hell is this guy? <laughs> Where's Mo at? <laughs> I'm gonna teach him about cowboys and ladies at a party. <laughs> Uh, you can't deny. I mean, I can't think of any other comedian that had this many specials, even two a year. I can't think of many no. that would have two I mean, a year. Carlin had tons of HBO specials, yeah. but not this many. Not this many. The not only person many? who might come close at this point might be Chappelle, maybe. 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 And maybe. I don't think Chappelle has the same volume. I think I Chappelle's think so. probably 60%, 70% of Gallagher's volume. Yeah, maybe. if that. Yeah. Well, many of the ones you just listed, you you could smell him starting to lean into the thing that made him the most famous, which was that damn sledgehammer <laughs> that he brought out and violated fruit and whatever else he could fit between two tin pans. Oh, God, the sledgehammer. We get back from the break. We are going to talk all about that amazing part of his act that in many ways defined his comedy. Stick oh, yeah. around. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult? struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? 
Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. Organic artichokes, organic lettuce, organic kale. Does your cauliflower have a big carbon footprint? Not at all. That's great. Melons! <laughs> oh, yeah! Well, that was uncalled for. Uh, Mr. Gallagher? Incoming! I... <laughs> Wasteful. You know, Jimmy, folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico sure are happy. How happy, Ronnie? Happier than Gallagher at a farmer's market. Get happy. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Ladies and gentlemen, I did not come here tonight just to make you laugh. I came here to sell you something, and I want you to pay particular <laughs> attention. The amazing Master Tool Corporation, a subsidiary of Flyby Nine Industries, has entrusted who? Me. To show you the handiest and the dandiest <laughs> kitchen tool you've ever seen, and don't you want to know how it works? Pause yes. for Yes. Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> yes. Well, first you get out an ordinary apple. You place it apple between the patented pans. Then you reach for the tool that is not a slicer. It's not a dicer. It's not a chopper and a hopper. What in the hell could it possibly be? Sledge-o-matic! Good job, now, now, for those listening, I have to say, George did have that to read, but I also know for a fact George has that in his head. I do. Yeah. I have that mostly, <laughs> probably 90% memorized. <laughs> yep. Two things. Number one, I didn't have my hat. If you remember, when Gallagher would come out, he started wearing this bowler hat that had a handle on the end of it, and he would grab the handle like a frying pan handle and spin the bowler on the end of the handle. Yep. And that's yep. how he would start Sledge-O-Matic routine. <laughs> I did this thing, and I will talk about it in the remembering thing, but I, I did something for high school where I ended up memorizing that. Yeah. <laughs> but Sledge-O-Matic, I, I want to say it was innovative, maybe not revolutionary, because- I think in comedy, sure there, it certainly was. Yeah, yeah. There, there were probably prop comedians before, but nobody that I can remember before him involved the audience in the way that he did. And this was at the time, I guess, when people were starting to get fascinated with infomercials, because that's where Sledgematic is born mm -hmm. from. You can yep. tell from the pattern. It's all about mm -hmm. oh, you yeah. know, the slicers, the dicers, the yeah. Ron Popeil era, so to speak. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's where he developed this whole routine. And it really took on a life of its own. Like people would shout during his performances. He'd be doing the first 40 minutes of the show, telling jokes and mm -hmm. being pithy and interesting. And people would Sledgematic! Monkey boy, do Sledgematic! <laughs> <laughs> Free bird! What the hell? Yeah, now we'll talk again later. I'm not going to go into the depth, but I did get a chance to see him live one time oh. in person. And, and so I can tell you firsthand. So somebody asked me where I was sitting. First row? You didn't ask me. Where were you sitting? Second row. Where were you sitting? <laughs> so Second we're supposed row. to ask him is what he was right, saying. Right, right. Yes, please. Someone ask me. Okay. Where were you sitting, John? Yeah, I, we're thank you. Where thank were you very sitting? Much. I, <laughs> what a well-tuned podcast. We That's just know right. each other so well. I was in the second row. <laughs> hey, John, John, John. 
Where yes. were you sitting? Second row. Okay. Oh. All right. Just so as you can imagine, <laughs> I, think I did definitely bring my plastic. That was the thing. If you went to a show, you felt like, well, hopefully when you went to a show, you felt like you were in on the joke and part of the club mm-hmm. because you were encouraged to bring umbrellas, sheets of visqueen or plastic or tarp or whatever, because basically it was your your job to keep the stuff off of you when he smashed shit with it, that hammer. Yeah. Yes. And he, he tried to hit people. He would bring it closer to the edge of the stage and people <laughs> ate it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Whatever he could, bottles of water, anything that would spray and go a distance. It became this thing where, as you said, George, people were screaming. They wanted to see it. They wanted mm-hmm. to get filthy. They wanted to get bits of watermelon in their hair. And they, yeah, they would hold up the plastic and try to block yep. it and that kind of thing. And it was like a wave. As soon as he swung the hammer, you could look at the audience and everybody's pulling up these tarps and pulling this stuff, trying to block it. It was audience participation in a way that you you said it dabbles on the edge of innovative. I think it was innovative, maybe not hitting shit with a hammer, <laughs> but using that as a way to involve the people in the audience. Like you felt like you were in on the joke. I know it, I did. It's like a splash zone at an amusement park. Yeah. That's what it felt mm-hmm. like. And people yeah. love those. You know, you go like the log flume coming down the hill and people right. stand at the bridge and get smashed with all the water. But I think it was also funny, too. I watched that episode, like I said, the Mattis special, and there were different little parts when he's doing the sledgematic routine. First of all, I should describe sledgematic. It's a six mm. foot long, wooden handled, <laughs> square wooden mallet head that probably weighed about 25, maybe 30 pounds. Yeah. It was not a light yeah. instrument. Right. But in that Mattis one, he did some things. First, he does the apples, you know, between mm-hmm. the patented pans. I always love that. The patented pans. There's aluminum pie pans. He builds up to the biggest fruit. Like he starts to show yeah. you what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, like, and he pulls out different props that he smashes, but he uses them to still tell pun jokes during Sledgematic, mm-hmm. like pound cake. I guess it does. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he pulled out another, he pulled out a tube of toothpaste and he goes, put it on. And then he picks it up and shows it to everybody. It was called aim. If you guys remember, yeah. aim toothpaste. Oh, aim toothpaste. toothpaste. Oh, yep. wow. and of course. So he's, you know, he's hamming it up and the camera focuses on the audience as they're getting the joke, mm-hmm. birthday cake. He does all these things, but John, like when he does the thing, especially the food objects, mm-hmm. you would see people pick up the food and, eat it oh in the special oh. like it just got smashed with this oh. hammer hit the visqueen probably hit the floor and these yeah. guys are picking up the cake going not bad this is pretty good oh. <laughs> okay how hungry are you to eat yeah, the, the really? cake that just got squished by a hammer and flew through the air and smashed on a tarp i mean a hammer that was used to squish many 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 other things yeah 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 <laughs> you want that cheeseburger to go it's oh. gone <laughs> i've got to add some flavor to the description of the hammer. The, the thing is that I want to make sure I point out is, and you you illustrated it well, I just want to put a punctuation on it. It's not like I went to the store and bought a mallet, right? No. This oh. is a block of wood with a huge surface area. It must have like a 10 square inch surface area that it hits with. Yeah. That incredible weight. And it decimates stuff and it oh, blows yeah. it into bits and it sprays like a, and, and and then he finally, how many times would he tease the watermelon? Like he'd pick it he'd up and it walk up and by and put it down. And, put it down. It down and they're yeah. like, oh, the tease. The, building up to it. Oh, yeah. Teasing the maddest was really funny. He picks up a watermelon and, and everybody starts going nuts. And then he opens the watermelon. It's a plastic watermelon and inside are balloons that he's just throwing out to the It's just balloons, people. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you getting excited about? <laughs> uh, Mo, was it, was it this lowbrow humor that 
turned you off of Gallagher or did you find that part interesting or was that all part of the one note? I thought it was funny the first time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The first time. But then it was like that. I don't know. I think. I kind of felt I felt bad for him actually in a way um, because Ooh. I felt like that was defining his comedy. His comedy, like no matter what he did up until that point, he had to start smashing things with a hammer. Oh, like the tail wagging the dog problem, right? You know, mm. and and like I said like George said, like I, I was watching a special and some people were screaming at it, and you kind of see his face that like he was getting annoyed. Oh yeah, because they do it like at the. 20 minute mark of right. an hour long show. And you know, it's only the last five minutes of the show. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to get to sledge right. sledge But first I want to, like he mm-hmm. said that verbally during the special, that's how frustrated he would get. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said, it was funny, but yeah, it's kind of got to be like that musician who has that one hit wonder. Right. Yeah. You know, Freebird. like a Tommy two tone with, you know, eight, six, seven, five, three, Oh nine. Or, you know, <laughs> it's got to be the, like, nobody's here to listen to the no. 20 songs you've written last week. They only want to hear one song. Right. Shut the fuck up, sing right. it so we can go home. Right. And Tommy Toontone is like, I have an entire back catalog of other things. Play the song. Play, Play the, the song. damn song. Right? It's like, we only want to hear that. It's why we Come bought on, the ticket. Come on, boy, let's go. Up. Yeah, I turned the crank. You dance. I, I, I never, I don't know why you felt sorry for him, but I guess, you know, as a creative, you think, boy, this guy, he's a victim of his success now. He can't stop doing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He cannot quit doing this legend. Right, he couldn't stop. Well, we talked about it earlier. 3,500 shows. Imagine swinging that hammer Every 20 time. times for 3,500 shows. Yeah. Yep. I would hate I just my did life. it last night. I smashed a watermelon two or three times last night. I did it here. And sometimes smashing a watermelon was like the last thing in the show. I mean, sure. it was smash the watermelon. Thank you. Good night. Like that was it. Mm-hmm. That was the buildup that they had built yep. to. Oh. Crazy. Well, unfortunately, he didn't just smash food and watermelons. He got into a little bit of trouble with his sledgematic routine. Yeah, so that's true. He was at a show at a place called the Coach House in San Juan Capistrano. That's in California for those who don't understand what those words are, because I did. <laughs> Thanks, because I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> in 1990, there was an, a woman who she was in the audience, and I guess he had this one of his props. He m- used many props. We talked about it earlier, mm-hmm. like in the Mattis, he had this anchor that had a diaper around it as he was describing what it's like to have a baby in his house mm-hmm. for the first time. Right. Um, he had this other one where it was, he was talking about cowboys and he had a drill with a prop lasso that he would well, spin around. I remember yeah. that. Yep. Well, he, for some reason he had a, a heavy plush penguin that had a fire extinguisher inside it. I can only imagine that the uh, extinguisher came out of the penguin's mouth or something like that. Okay, okay. Well, somehow or another, that thing got thrown into the audience, hit her in the head. Ouch. Yeah. Oh, So cool. she sued him for $13,000 medical. She sued him for $20,000 lost wages and then a punitive $100,000 in, Ooh. you know, anger, pain and anger, whatever mm-hmm. those things mm-hmm. are. Suffering, whatever. Finally got to trial in 1993. They let Gallagher take the stand oh, wow. and swear to God, because he made everybody, including the judge, laugh so much, the judge threw it out and ruled in his favor. What? <laughs> wow. Yep. <laughs> okay, that's impressive. The judge said, in seven years on the bench, I've seen a lot of characters, but none so theatrical. It was entertaining. It certainly wasn't boring. Okay. That's impartiality <laughs> for a judge. There you go, yeah, folks. Really? <laughs> if you've ever wondered about our justice system. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Well, at least I had a good time. Case dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, Jesus Christ, you didn't buy a ticket to this guy's show. Pay the woman her money. She got hit in the head with a fire extinguisher for yeah, crying really. out loud. I wonder, I mean, we don't have all the details here, but like, I'd be curious if he threw it or it got thrown or he smashed it or what happened. But I guess because he's the one, of the, it's his show. Right. The assertion was he's culpable. Maybe. I mean, no he had to have done the prop. A penguin oh, with a the fire extinguisher. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. He had right. to have brought it out. So no matter what happens at some point, if you bring an item to an event, it's your responsibility. So you're culpable. All right. At least yeah. in my mind, apparently not in that judge's mind. Yeah, really? Like, well, apparently nobody ever got watermelon burns in their eyes or there've been mm. a lot more lawsuits than that. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty podcast. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Say the name Gallagher and undoubtedly you picture this. The comedian was one of the biggest acts of the 1980s, bringing his zany, prop-laden shtick to audiences all around the world. You just Google Gallagher and I'm the top response. I beat out an electric fence company from Australia. But these days, the audiences are smaller, and Gallagher's three-decade-long comedy grind has taken a toll on the 64-year-old. I had a heart attack on Thursday. A small one, he says, in the middle of one of his shows. But he's still booking gigs with his signature act. Three a show for 3,000 shows. That's how many watermelons Gallagher says have fallen prey to the hammer here. But he says these days he feels like he's the one who's getting hit by a hammer. As much as I don't like Gallagher, I have to admit that, you know, <laughs> hey, I mean, he, he was popular. I mean, there's no doubt yeah, about mm -hmm. it. And millions Definitely. and millions of people liked him. As a matter of fact, that's one interesting thing with doing some research is that they actually used his comedy in a medical study, which I just blew my <laughs> mind. Apparently in the 80s, the researchers at uh, Loma Linda University used his comedy to study laughter's effect on the body. And, the, and they basically had students watch his comedy and took blood and I don't know what the hell really? they did. But <laughs> apparently the conclusion was that that laughing appeared to boost their immune systems. So, so that's where a laughter is the best medicine, medicine. kind of so thing Gallagher got, got directly affected that. Yep. I thought sure you were going to say some kind of study about being coated with food particles or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's the part that just, was funny. No, just the comedy part of the comedy. I see right, the comedy part of the comedy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a study in the eighties and you're going to want to get a popular comic. And here's this guy that has hundreds exactly. and hundreds yeah, of shows. Get more popular I guess it makes I mean, sense. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, you alluded to this earlier, George. Leo Gallagher had a younger brother, Ron, who actually mm -hmm. bore a striking resemblance to him. So I'm going to call Gallagher Gallagher. I'm going to call his brother Ron to avoid confusion here because they're both were known as Gallagher at one point. Or the other. They both have the same last name. But as Gallagher was gaining in popularity, his brother Ron, who was also a fledgling comic in his own right, but didn't have the fame, mm -hmm. said, hey, I would like to go on tour using your bit, using your sledge-o-matic and go yep. out there as your brother. And initially, Gallagher said to his brother Ron, yeah, go ahead and do that. And he regretted that decision for a long time because really? what was happening was because Ron resembled his brother so much and because it was called Gallagher, because that is his name, and because yeah. he was using the sledge people showed up thinking they were going to see the actual genuine Gallagher. 
I mean, I could and totally see that. I mean, of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. And so the real Gallagher that was, I mean, the real genuine Gallagher we're talking about, he was getting backlash through no fault of his own. He had allowed his brother to do this thing and people were mad at him because they thought he was faking them out. He was sending out a double uh, or a duplicate to do his work. Well, and his brother basically wasn't agreeing to the terms that they mm-hmm. had both talked about along with his brother's stage manager. They He had said, okay, if you go out, you have to call yourself Ron Gallagher. You can't call yep. yourself just Gallagher oh, like I, I do. You can't okay. use a single name. Yeah. Well, he kept using a single name or his manager did at least on the promotional stuff. Yep. And they went back and forth on it so much that finally there was lawsuits threatened and stuff and he had to start mm-hmm. using that thing, John, that you've talked about. He had to call himself Gallagher too, and he right. used a couple of variants of the spelling, but T O O or T W O. And in yeah. fact, I saw his brother Ron perform as Gallagher T O O Gallagher two. So I knew what I was getting into. Oh, you did know you were getting into like not the I did. Gallagher. Okay. I did, but I can tell you throughout the performance. And by the way, this was at a small comedy club. There was not a sledgematic taking place. There was prop comedy. One I really remember that's so great that I, I mean, there are so many jokes that sometimes you just have to tell it. He was talking about constipation. Okay. okay. And so he had a big jar of peanut butter and he just squished it. So the peanut butter started to squish out the bottom and he released it. So it sucked back up into the jar and everybody goes, oh, <laughs> and then he would squish it out. And he would scrape it off on the edge of a table. And mm. he, he's providing the same kind of like food, this disgusting kind of humor. He didn't throw it in the audience or anything. But at no point in that performance did he ever say, by the way, everybody, I'm not the Gallagher you think I am. Essentially, right. oh. it was on the marquee. You got there and it was up to you to know and understand and behave. Now, I don't think anybody in this audience knew the difference because the lawsuits had been pretty public by that point. Okay. But it, there was a whole lot of lawsuits. Finally, the Gallagher Gallagher sued his brother Ron for all those trademark violations and the false advertising. And he was granted an injunction. So you can't use the sledgematic, which I'm sure is why he didn't yep. use it in this comedy mm-hmm. club that I was at. And you uh, you can't intentionally bear likeness to your older brother any longer. So you can't, even through ambiguity, so you can imagine mm. the bad blood in the family. Oh, jeez. You can imagine a younger brother going, hey, why do you want to help me out? But it was damaging his brand. So what right. we can say for sure is Gallagher apparently knows how to win lawsuits. Yes. If nothing right. Else. Repeatedly. Yeah. Repeatedly. <laughs> yep. You know, later on, 2004, John, Comedy Central does this list, 100 best comedians of all mm-hmm. time. Gallagher gets number 100. That If that's me or you, you'd be happy with that, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Now, yeah, I read yeah. some quotes researching this uh, for this podcast. There were multiple times where he said he was really mad about getting spot 100 on that list because he said mm-hmm. there were people in front of him in the earlier spots that he didn't even know who they were. And he said, how can I be number 100 behind people I've never even heard of? What? That was a quote. <laughs> so huh. he assumes he knows every comedian. So he's the arbiter of this. But, it, oh, okay. It, it kind of goes to speak to what Mo was talking about earlier about how, you know, you don't really know the person's underlying motivations until mm-hmm. you start to see some of that break through their public persona. And I think it did in that case. Mm. I think you're probably right. Yeah. He definitely had a high opinion of himself. That came across in his comedy as being self-aggrandizing in a funny way. But I think I think we're starting to peek around the edges that are fraying that he thought that highly of himself and he felt he deserved what he got. And 
no matter how he wasn't a perfect person who is, oh, no, no. but in hindsight, we're learning that he was maybe a little more flawed than we knew. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's funny. Cause um, I think originally like looking at this first comedy special and stuff, mm-hmm. he definitely had that opinion that he was like, you know, Hey, I'm smarter because I see these things. Sure. But I think he included the crowd in that too. It wasn't that I'm sorry. He says, we're smarter, you know, cause we all see the, you know, it was, it was, it was seemed like, and then as time goes on, it seemed like it, that kind of got lost. <laughs> the we turned into me more and more. Yeah. More and more than other than we, you know, we all know that you stick your, you know, your paper bags in your refrigerator, you know, no. and it just seemed like that's, and you know, as he got older, I think it just kind of came out more. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Leo Anthony Gallagher Jr., who uh, arrived in this world July 24th, 1946, passed away, as I said, just a few short weeks ago, November 11th, 2022. Wow. Mm-hmm. He died in hospice care at his home there in Palm Desert, California. Cause of death was just organ failure from numerous heart attacks he suffered over the course of his life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine hardworking guy like that. Uh, he was he was a rail thin guy, but on the road that long, that'll take its toll on you. He had two heart attacks on stage. What on stage? In really? Career. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, if you're on stage every night, it's gonna happen when you're on stage. That's true. Probably right, true. Everything in life happens on averages. stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was 76 years old when he passed. Mm. So. Mm. Before we get out of this backtrack, remembering Gallagher, I, I want to do, as we like to here at the end of the show, a quick roundtable to kind of your key remembrances and that kind of thing. And I think, Mo, since you were the biggest fan amongst all of us, <laughs> I'll start with you. What do you remember most about Gallagher when you think back? Oh, I remember how batshit crazy everybody else was about him when he first came on the scene. Mm-hmm. Like I said, cause I, I had missed the first special. Sure. And all us. Everyone was talking about it. All my friends are talking about it. Everyone's doing the, you know, talking about, I was like, you know, I definitely felt like I missed something like huge. <laughs> and then, you know, so then when I saw it, I was like, okay, I kind of get where he's coming from after that. But, and also just the fact that he was so prevalent in the eighties. I mean, you, I can't yeah. think of an eighties time when he wasn't somewhere in there, you know, as part of the memory or part of the landscape, if nothing else. Yeah, he was. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. For me, it's definitely got to be, I mean, the crowning achievement, you know, if you're a Beatles fan, it's when you saw the Beatles. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're a Lennon fan, it's when you saw Lennon, right? So it's, for me, it was when I got to see Gallagher live. The one time I ever saw him live, I mentioned I saw his brother at a small venue. Mm -hmm. I saw Gallagher at a stadium, well, a convention center, like a big venue, right? And it was the full-blown Gallagher. Now, it was a little later in his career. It was, I want to say, 91 or so. Okay, Mm -hmm. so, yeah. But he was still on his game. And I was, as we mentioned, I was in the second row. I was right there. (laughs) A friend of mine took me on my birthday and- all the things we've talked about, the flaws that he had, all of that. When I think back to when I saw him live, not only did I see him live, but he was at his merch table after the show. Oh, He didn't nice. run out the door and leave. He was covered with schmutz, right? It looked like he had <laughs> gone backstage. He had put on one of his tour t-shirts to replace whatever he'd had and a new hat, but his pants were all muddy and muddled from whatever crap had been on it. And the man sat there at his merch table. And he talked to everybody that came up for as long as they wanted to talk, signed anything they wanted to sign. So I had a really solid impression of him because mm. I had a good time. as like I watched an HBO special. But in the end, I got to talk to the guy. It wasn't like the show is over, the curtain closes, and I'm back in my world. Mm-hmm. I got to kind of linger. and like I didn't talk to him for long. I said, thank you. I've always enjoyed your work. But I stood on the side and watched him talk to other people. And you got to imagine, and at the time, I didn't know how much he was working, how many shows he was on the road. Mm-hmm. How much would you rather just, I'm done, uh, you know, g- give me bed. my limb on out of here. <laughs> right. And he stayed for as long as people were there, which I thought was pretty solid of the guy. That's so, very cool. Uh, I had a positive memory of him for that. That's cool. George, what about you? I would guess my memory, or the one that stands out the most is 
of course he did the sledgematic routine. As we mentioned earlier, I have the thing memorized. The reason why I have it memorized <laughs> in 1987, I was in a class for speech, not like I had a speech impediment, but speech class is something mm-hmm. we used to yeah, have in like school. Public speaking, public speaking, kind of speaking, public yeah. speaking. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I had to do a speech. I had been out for a while with a football injury and I needed to do two speeches. I needed to do a demonstration speech and I needed to do a comedy speech. Oh, okay. Oh. And I talked to my <laughs> teacher and I said, could I combine those into one thing and you just give me two grades? However bad I do or good I do, I don't care. He's like, yeah, we can do that. So I did Sledgematic. I did the whole routine for my class and I... I didn't have the big giant six foot wooden mallet thing that he had. I just had like a little small hand sledgehammer kind of thing, but I smashed apples and cheeseburgers and (laughs) I didn't have a watermelon, but I did take a, like a, I guess a cantaloupe or some kind of melon, one of those little round basketball sized melons. (laughs) I actually took that one. I hollowed it out. I put a balloon with confetti in it inside and a little thumbtack inside the melon. Oh, wow. So when I smashed it, it popped the balloon and confetti in it. Oh, did it work? Industrious. And kind of. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) All the confetti was wet by the time it went everywhere. Hey, wet confetti. (laughs) Did you hand out umbrellas in plastic? You should have. I did not. And um, I got in a little bit of trouble for the speech. Not from the teacher. The teacher actually gave me an A, but the administrators got wind of it. And I got in trouble. I got suspended for three days. Really? And yeah. <laughs> report? What the hell? I did. What the hell? And the next year in the handbook, the rule book for the school, oh, it was God. a small private Christian school. So you can imagine how uptight they were. They actually wrote a rule in the rule book next year. You're not allowed to smash food in class. Is that school still there? Because I want to find that handbook today and see if that's still it's there. It's still there. My youngest son actually went oh. there. But yeah, it's still there. Oh, my God. That's it's amazing. The, uh, the George corollary to public speaking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here's the one thing you can't do. We've named it after you because you were the <laughs> right. culprits. Right. <laughs> Next to that rule, there's a picture of George. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do not allow on premises. There's a picture with a caption under it. Like other kids go back to their old high school. They have trophies in the case or yeah. pictures up on the yearbook wall. <laughs> not me. I got a rule in the handbook. I, I think the rule is cooler, personally. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You got a better story out of it than any of those That's guys true. that got a trophy. That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah what's your story? I got Man. first place in football. Eh, who cares? Yeah, I got whatever. a rule. <laughs> I smashed a cheeseburger. I smashed a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, but you got an A. That's the important part. You got yeah. the A. And you got three days off school. Three days so off. yeah. 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 <laughs> right. It's like a reward. That was he talks about that's one of his jokes in the comedy special. He's like, America's so stupid. Kids get in trouble for not going to class. What do we do? We suspend them and tell them they can't come to class. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Well, Mo, has your opinion changed at all throughout the course of this backtrack? I mean, as a, uh, no. 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 <laughs> I didn't think it would. I just thought it would check. So. No, no. I mean, it's, I didn't have like a weird owl moment. No. Yeah. That epiphany. I definitely had one of those where I was like, after that podcast, I was like, wow. I said, I got to relook at this guy. And I'm yeah. more and more impressed every time I look at it again. This one, yeah. not so much. Fun to reminisce. Fun to think back to those comedy specials that we enjoyed when we were kids. Uh, I watched one, as you had said, George, you know, in lead up to this. But there are others that we we're talking about now, like the one that, that you were talking about, the, the madness one. I got to go back maddest, and watch that yeah. one. Yeah, the maddest. Because I rem- everything you talked about, I remember. I remember mm-hmm. those things happening and uh, I haven't seen it in forever. So, But I think I'll watch it now with a different 
cast on it. You know, there's, there's a different oh, kind sure. of more texture on it than I knew before. You know, I don't know if I'm going to find out that it's it's tragic or is it sad or is it offensive? I don't know, but I'm definitely going to watch some. Maybe more still funny. It. Maybe still funny. Well, even you said, George, even in amidst amongst that stuff, you still found stuff that was very there funny. were moments. Yeah. yeah. All right. Hey, that's going to wrap up this fun look back at the history and life and performances of comedian Gallagher. Before we leave, I have to thank a few more amazing financial supporters that have joined us or upgraded over on Patreon. I want to thank a brand new patron, Sean M., who joined us, as well as Brandon F., who was already a supporter and like so many of our amazing supporters, just went over to Patreon and bumped it up a level. Just added a little more because they enjoy what we're doing. They see the effort we're putting in, the content we're putting out. I cannot tell you how satisfying and wonderful and warm it feels to hear people that get something for free and are willing to contribute to support it. So Sean, Brandon, everybody else that supports us over on Patreon, if you would like to join this amazing roster of people, just head over to genxgrownup.com slash Patreon for as little as a buck a month. You can throw your hat in the ring and also support the content that we produce. That then is going to wrap it up for this backtrack. Don't worry. We'll be back in two weeks with another one. And next week is the standard edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. Mo, you know I appreciate you. Always fun, man. Fourth listener, though, it's you. We all appreciate most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. JetX Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. Unacceptable for grown ups. Your dinner cannot just be French fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Five, four, three, fuck. <laughs> Coming your way this Thursday on the Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Pod. Gen Ox? Gen Ox Grown Up. It's a new, <laughs> new thing. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.